What's doing, everybody? Today is Tuesday, August 29th. Representative Misha Maynor, who ditched the Democrat Party for the Republicans, joins me on the podcast today. Plus, Chicago's mayor is suing the automakers, not punishing the criminals for the huge spike in car thefts. And the federal judge in D.C. has set a trial date for Trump's January 6th case to begin. And it's going to start, get this, the day before Super Tuesday. I'm Alec Lace. This is The Alec Lace Show. What's doing, everybody? I'm Alec Lace, and for the last five years, I've hosted an award-winning podcast called First Class Fatherhood. For the most part, I've done my best to keep politics out of the conversation, but I cannot do that anymore. That is why I've decided to launch a new show, The Alec Lace Show. So hit the follow button, and let's preserve, protect, and fight for the American family together. The future is family. Welcome, everybody, to the Alec Lay Show. I'm happy and honored, as always, to be here with you guys. Thank you for stopping by. If you're watching the broadcast live here on Rumble, as always, please get down there, share, like, comment. Let's help get as many people into this live as possible. And I cannot say thank you enough, guys, because the previous episode here on Thursday was my most watched episode on the platform in which I didn't have a guest. Uh, so those numbers are starting to pick up. I owe that all to you guys. I really uh, That was the episode I broke down the GOP debate. Uh, today, I do have a guest. I'm honored to have Representative Misha Maynard. She's going to be here with me in just a few minutes. I left you guys on Thursday. I told you that Fox had contacted me. They wanted me to join them on the bottom line with Dagan and Duffy, uh, which I did do. So I, want, I, I told you I would share a clip of my appearance. So I wanted to share one with you. Set the clip up here. Uh, this was a story about a, a working mom who was complaining about the American dream being dead. So here's a clip of that. The American dream is dead. It can come back to life again, but you need the policies that you had at the end of the Trump era, those last three years before the pandemic. Absolutely. I would say to this mother, take that aggression to the ballot box and bring a friend with you and vote for Donald Trump in 2024, because that's the only thing you can do about this. Other than that, the American dream is not dead. If you happen to notice, the caravan at the border is only going one direction. They're coming here. They're not going to Mexico. The American dream ain't dead. It's out there for everybody. Go get it. And I truly mean what I said right there. If you guys right now watching this are angry and fed up with what's going on in this country, if you're mad about the gas prices, the grocery prices, if your mortgage interest is true to ceiling, you can't buy a new home, can't buy a new car, whatever it may be, if you are pissed off, if you are angry at the crime rate, at the illegal immigrants invading the country, look around at what's going on in this country and take that anger and that pissed offness to the ballot box in 2024. And you've got to try to do your best to convince your circle around you why you cannot go with the Democrat Party in 2024. you got to vote for Donald Trump. He will be the one that's going to take uh, the primary election, which we're going to talk about later, how they're trying to do everything they can to derail that. They're even going to try to use election interference by having his trial start the day before the primaries, uh, which is absolutely crazy. But we're going to talk about that a little bit later. So take that anger and that aggression, take it to the ballot box. And uh, and we got to see and watch and pray and hope that they're not going to fix this election, which is on everybody's mind. Is my vote going to count? These elections are going to be fixed. But it can't stop you from going there. Don't allow any of this to stop you from getting out there and voting in person. Get out there and vote in person. I know there's going to be a huge push again to have everybody do the mail-in ballots. Show up and vote. Make it count. And, and, you know, talking about this election and stuff, there is a shift going because you saw Donald Trump get uh, mugshot. It's going to be on every T-shirt. It's, he's raised $7 million since the mugshot went out there. 
And it's a rallying cry for the Republican Party. Well, for the conservative, for the for the MAGA party, it really is a, a rallying cry. Some of the people in the GOP, I think, are chuckling underneath their breath and, and putting on that fake rhino face that we've become so used to seeing from so many, uh, unfortunately, of the Republicans that are really in there just to undermine Trump any chance they can get. But the Democrat Party is cheering this on. Of course, this is Joe Biden uh, going after his political rival. Things that you only see, this is third world type of stuff that you see here. This is a total socialist Marxist angle that is happening here. And that obviously raising questions here, and I'll show the clip as I'm talking here, there was a huge support for Trump in Atlanta as he was coming through, as the, as the motorcade was coming through. And a lot of people were posting this because people are fed up and they're seeing now what they're doing to Donald Trump. And the question became about the black vote. And we're starting to see a shift in black Americans starting to say this has become all over TikTok. Black Americans voicing for Trump, saying they're going to vote for Trump, that they got Trump's back in 2024. So this is a shift that we're seeing. And it just brings the point. When did the Democrats feel that they had the right to speak for black Americans? And it seems like, you know, it seems like they own the black vote, the Democrats. They feel so sure about that. And why are they so sure about that? What in the world have they ever done for black America? They have been dominating the vote amongst black Americans for decades. What is there to show for it? Where is the black city, the black American city in this country that is thriving? The way that the Democrats sell themselves to black America, you would think that every black community, every black neighborhood in this country would be a pristine community that people are dying to get into. It would be a tourist city. It would be a tourist capital of the world. The way that the Democrats are selling what they're going to do for black America. Now, you have guys like Ice Cube who have come out and said, wait a minute, what have they done for us? And you're seeing more people come out. Now, Ice Cube wants to see both sides of the table here. Who's going to give us the better deal? But there is no question that Donald Trump did more for the black community than Obama and Biden have done combined. You got to check his record on it. All right. The policies that he signed, that Donald Trump signed, had a direct impact on black America, let alone what he did with the HBCU schools and school choice, the whole bit. When people want to shoot that right down, it's important. He's the only one that ever spoke at the HBCU week. And Obama didn't do it. Obama had the HBCU schools begging, begging to have that debt that was hanging over their head from Katrina. They were begging him for eight years to take care of that. None of it got handled until Trump came in and gave the HBCUs enough money for the next 10 years. Obama had him begging. So I don't understand why it is. And, and you know, you, you've seen some of the most racist stuff you've ever heard come out of Biden's mouth. And you heard it just like this. Who, whoever says something like this and gets away with it? I tell you, it. if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. And Charlemagne the God, the guy, that he just ate that. He ate it. And Larry Elder, God bless his heart, was on The Breakfast Club and called him out for that, saying, you let this guy speak for you, tell you what to do? Who is he to tell you, if you don't vote for me, you're not black? How, much, how racist could you be? How does a grown man allow some guy to come into his radio booth and talk to him like that and say, well, if you don't do this, then you're not black. 
right? That was all the uprise, but that got snuffed out by the media. Oh, it was a gaffe. Oh, it was just, uh, you know, misspoken. Everyone ran to cover up for Joe Biden because they realized just how blatantly racist it was. But Joe Biden's got a history of racism, voting against just about every single civil rights act that came across his desk when he was a junior senator, an early senator. He's the one that not only voted on the on the 94 crime bill, he wrote the bill. And here he was selling it to Congress in 94. Listen to this. That this midnight basketball isn't getting them together a bunch of jive folks living in their city to do, uh, you know, try to see if they can be Michael Jordan. When they found out they were keeping schools open so gangs come off streets instead of out raping my mother, marauding me, robbing the local store. They're in a gymnasium. My daughter will be safer. My wife will be safer. My mother will be safer. And I will be safer. And I will be happy. Could you imagine they had an audio tape of Trump saying something like this? Could you imagine if they had that? You'd hear it every day of the week. It'd be playing broadcasting every day of the week. But this is, this is who Joe Biden is. They say, oh, we apologize for that. That's not who he is now. He's, he, he's apologized for that. He's moved on from that type of thinking. But you can just look. There's, there's at least a four-minute montage of him making these gaffes, making these racially charged comments. Now, what do we have on Trump? At every turn, they press him. Oh, he's a white supremacist. Trump loves white supremacy. He's a, he, he loves the backing and the supporting of white supremacy. Nobody has condemned white supremacy more than Donald Trump because nobody's been asked about it more than Donald Trump because they try to, by asking, they try to insinuate that he is one and they do it on purpose. But, and they stole with the lie that, oh, he said that, that KKK and white supremacists were good on both sides, which was a lie. Here's what he actually said. And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists because they should be condemned totally. But see, once they embed that in the people's mind, the media has a way of controlling the minds of the sheep in this country. And if you don't believe that, then you weren't paying attention during 2020 when COVID was going on, because that is got to that what happened in 2020 has got to be studied by psychiatrists for the next 50 years, because what we saw was mind-boggling to normal human beings that were watching what was going on. People that knew what they were doing was crazy, but were doing it anyway. And questioning you for not doing it. One of the most craziest, I know I, I was recently, I had on the show uh, on First Class Fatherhood, I had Clay Travis, who just recently was on uh, Outkick on Fox. They got a new show, him, Tommy Laren. I, I thought they did a great job. Uh, Sunday night was the first time that they did the show on there. But Clay Travis and I were talking about this when they had Kyrie Irving of the Brooklyn Nets didn't want to get vaccinated, and they, so they wouldn't let him play on the team. For the home games, he was allowed to play on the away games, but he couldn't play on the home games. Now, he could watch the game. He could be a visitor in the, in the arena, but he wasn't allowed to play because he wasn't vaccinated. And people walked around as if this was a normal thing. And these are the type of insane things that happened because of people's mind that were poisoned by the media. There's no other, no other reason why rational-minded people would ever go along with stuff like this. But this is exactly what they did with President Trump. They've tried to paint him into this racist uh, person, which makes no sense. Now, it, as I said, you would think that if you are voting Democrat for decade after decade, we would see the utopian city in, in black America by now. We would have seen it. 
but we don't see it. What do we see? We see cities like Chicago. And if you talk about cities like Chicago, they automatically, when, once you get done saying the O in Chicago, they're already calling you a racist for talking about it. But here's an example of these Democrat paradises. Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson is suing Kia and Hyundai for the rise in auto thefts. Now, let me paint the picture here for you. So far in 2023, there have been, I'll put on the board here, there has been 19,062 auto thefts. Did you hear that? 19,062 just in 2023. That's an average of 142 car thefts a day in the city of Chicago. It's up 104%. So what does the mayor say about this? Well, let's take a look. Here he is. The failure to install basic auto theft prevention technology in these models, meaning Kia and Hyundai, is sheer negligence. And as a result, a citywide and nationwide crime spree around automobile theft has been unfolding. You would think this is a Saturday Night Night Live skit, that he's blaming the automakers for making it too easy for the criminals to steal the cars. No, Mayor. You're making it too easy for the criminals to steal the car because you're not punishing the criminals. Could you imagine a criminal uh, sitting at home watching the news and listening to the mayor sue the car companies for you stealing the car? He's not coming after you, the criminal. He's going after. So is that going to make you more likely or less likely to go out and steal a car tomorrow? There's no punishment here. He's saying that the car makers are making it too easy. You're making it too easy, mayor. You're making it too easy. You're making the way the mayor in Chicago is, you'd have to be stupid not to steal a car. That's how crazy it is in Chicago with the car theft. You'd have to be an absolute schmuck to not go out and steal a car in Chicago. They're basically allowing it that 142 a day? 19,000 in 2023? What else is going on in Chicago? Well, I know we're not allowed to talk about it, but so far this year. There, is, there has been a person shot every two hours and 47 minutes in Chicago this year. And one murdered every 13 hours and 15 minutes. But this guy's suing the automakers. We're soft on crime. We defund the police. And we go sue the automakers for making it easy to steal cars. This is the liberal logic. And they're saying that this is good for black America. This guy, oh, we got, he's a black mayor. He's good. The previous mayor was a black mayor. Shouldn't Chicago be one of the most visited cities in the world right now? Decades of Democrat rule? Shouldn't they be just vacation spots all over Chicago, like Disneyland? No, it's not like Disneyland, right? You don't even want to, you don't want to even want to rent a car. I don't even know how you drive Uber in Chicago. How, how do you drive Uber Eats or DoorDash? You'd be afraid that every time you got out of the car to go deliver the package, your car would be stolen. What's another Democrat-run city? Detroit. This is the last thing I'm going to hit you with. I got uh, Representative Misha Maynard uh, getting ready here in the Zoom room. I'm going to bring her in. Eminem makes headlines here yesterday, too. Now, Eminem just had got done with his big, huge hissy fit. This guy's turned into a total snowflake cream puff. He had a total hissy fit meltdown about Trump supporters whining and crying about them. And now... He comes out against Vivek Ramaswamy with a cease and desist order. Don't use my music at your rallies because Vivek Ramaswamy was rapping to his song, Lose Yourself, in Iowa. 
So uh, Eminem is all bent out of shape, despite the fact that you can go on YouTube and watch thousands of people cover Lose Yourself. He's never put in one copyright claim against any of them. You've got some real lunatics that have done it too. But Vivek Ramaswamy did it, and Eminem had a little meltdown, a little hissy fit over that too. Uh, Meanwhile, Eminem's hometown of Detroit, which has been under Democrat control since 1962, has one of the highest crime rates in the country. Should somebody tell that to Eminem? You're you're going after your vote blue no matter who, just because you can rhyme orange with schmarange. We should listen to you. Vote blue no matter who. You voted blue in Detroit, your home city, since 1962. And look at what's going on in Detroit. Homelessness out of control. Education sucks, but we're worried about Trump supporters, and we're going to keep voting Democrat. You're going to keep voting for Joe Biden, the guy who has a history of racism. It just boggles my mind how they do this time and time again. You continue to encourage the black Americans to vote blue no matter who, and every every major black city in this country is being destroyed by the Democrat Party, and they keep voting them in. Why? Well, one representative of the Democrat Party had seen enough of this, and that is Misha Maynard, who is going to join me now. Uh, She represents the 56th district in Georgia, and recently uh, she made the move to the Republican Party and uh, turned a lot of heads because uh, a lot of people, and as I said, I think there's going to be a major shift here with the black vote in America, but I think there's also going to be a major shift of people in these cities that are looking around and saying, unless you're a criminal, you want to keep voting Democrat. If you're a criminal, why would you not vote Democrat? It makes sense. Just like I said, if you're in Chicago, why wouldn't you steal a car? It'd be stupid not to. Well, that's what the whole situation is. But if you want to make improvements to the city, if you want to clean up the crime, if you want to get the homeless off the street, then you'd have to start voting red instead. Let's go. Let's bring her on here. Joining me now, Representative Misha Maynard. Welcome to the Alec Lady Show. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Well, it's an honor to have you here. Uh, you made headlines, big headlines, not just in, in Georgia, but all around the country this summer when you switched parties here. I know it was Ronald Reagan who famously said, I didn't leave the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party left me. And I know you've been asked this all summer long. I'm sure you got a pretty put in a a simple capsule form here, but hit my audience. Why did you leave the Democrat Party and become a Republican? You know, I left really for a lot of different policy issues at the end of the day. It wasn't just school choice. I think school choice was just the icing on the cake, if you will. But from defunding the police to putting people over systems, to just ending up with school choice. Um, I really had to do some reflection to see why was I always at odds with the Democrats and ultimately it's because of different policy issues. Yeah, well said. And you know, my full-time job, I'm a railroad mechanic. I've been doing that for more than two decades and I work with a, a whole bunch of people that have different belief systems, a lot of Democrats, and even the ones that I talk to that have been longtime Democrats One of the things that they cannot get on board with is all of the transgenderism, the LGBTQ stuff, the indoctrination that's been coming into their kids' schools. They're saying, yeah, I'm a Democrat, but I'm not for this. I don't think my daughter should be competing against men in sports. I don't think men should be in her locker room. Uh, Is that a breaking point as well here for you as far as the Democrats go? 
you know, I feel like we are putting a lot of focus on it. Um, honestly, I believe in human rights, right? I have two daughters. Both of them are athletes. Um, I have a lot of friends in the pride community, and I've gone to them personally um, to ask simple questions like, if I don't want to give myself a pronoun, do is that offensive to you? Um, their responses have been no. So I do think that we need to look at this situation from the perspective of, is it a violation of my freedom of speech if I don't want to discuss certain things, right? I think that's where we are. So everyone doesn't want to talk about gender issues. Now, is it okay for other people to be focused on that? Yes. But if people don't want to be focused on that, that's their right not to be focused on it. And you're absolutely right. The Democrat Party, that is a priority of theirs. Um, I think our priority should be in the schools where kids only 2% can read. That really is where the focus should be. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think it's amazing where we're struggling so badly in, in this country as far as reading, math, and we're, we're worried about teaching kids about gender ideology, I think is a huge mis mistake. And just like you said, some people don't feel comfortable discussing it as adults. Imagine the second graders that are being forced to discuss this, and I think it's really disgusting. But one, one thing I wanted to get, get your opinion on is one of the things I focus on a lot, I believe that the parents are really the underdog in this country right now. And I think that the, the future of this country, I think, is family. But we have got a fatherless crisis going on in our country where so many kids are growing up without a father or a father figure in their home. And that, that really, especially with the young boys, it leads to a lot of the crime we're seeing in so many cities across America. I know Atlanta, 40 percent of the families of the kids in, in, in Atlanta are growing up without a father in the home. So what's your take on the fatherless crisis? It's a problem, um, to say the least, but let's look at what is the root cause. Why are fathers not present? A lot of times it's because their fathers were not present. And so why weren't their fathers present? It's a good chance they were in prison. It's a good chance that they died of AIDS. It's a good chance that their literacy rate was so low um, that they had no other options in life. So I think the way we tackle this fatherless situation is, one, let's tackle mental health. Two, let's tackle education. Three, let's tackle the health disparities. It really is sad, especially in urban communities, but I know it's just as bad in rural areas as well. Yeah, it, it's bad, and and it's uh, it's affecting all communities. And where, but where you see communities that have this very low rate. Uh, the Asian community, the Indian community that have very intact nuclear families, they're flourishing in all these aspects, top earners, not, not in prison, not homeless. Uh, you know, so it's it, it definitely correlates with almost. And, and I think we try to solve all these other political issues. But I think until we strengthen our, our nuclear families, bring God back into focus, I think we're just running around in circles. You hit the nail on the head. Um, the amount of people that are practicing a faith is decreasing in the world. So I'm a Christian. I'm a proud Christian. I wish that we were doing a lot more um, with faith in our society. But for whatever reason, people want us to not talk about God. It's on our legal tender in God we trust. This nation was built on faith in God. And to say that we're supposed to stay away from it, we want to focus on gender issues versus focusing on faith, I think the priorities are really wrong. In Ephesians, I hate to go into this, but Ephesians 6 um, tells us that we are in a war of spiritual God, right? And until we really tackle 
um, the root cause of beliefs, right, then we have an issue on our hands. Yeah. And, and Proverbs 22, six, train up a child the way he should go. And when he gets old, he'll never depart from it. And when we're, we're filling their heads up with all this stuff at the young age. We are headed for a disaster if we don't do something very soon with what's going on in our education system. And, and speaking on education, I know it's so, you said it right at the top. It's so important to you and what's going on. We are failing our children in the school systems. And I just cannot figure out. Why are Democrats so opposed to school choice? What is the big what, what is it? Is it the teachers union? Do, why is it that they don't uh, agree with school choice or don't ever back it? It is the teachers union. So at the end of the day, we have political heads that care more about what special interests want versus what the constituents want. So when you say school choice, why aren't they supporting it? Well, the people in my district support it which is why I support it. But right now there are Democrats who send their children to private school. There are Democrats that use someone else's address to send their child to a better performing school. And so they have choices. Um, the fact that they will be so selfish and not be concerned about kids that are the least of us having opportunities is really a problem. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And obviously the biggest news uh, in Georgia, I think, in recent months here has been President Donald Trump being brought to Georgia, booked, mugshot, photographed, and it has really lit off a firestorm as far as his donations have been pouring in. Over seven million have been come into the Trump campaign since the mugshot was out. What's your take on uh, on the process uh, turning against President Trump and using him as a political prisoner here in a sense? Well, I need all those people donating to President Trump to go to MishaMaynard.com and also donate to my campaign because I am fighting a battle um, too, right? So this is a, a war of political systems, if you will. I have my own personal take on this Bonnie Willis situation. A lot of people don't know it, but I actually, way before there was an indictment on Donald Trump, I filed my own racketeering lawsuit against her. So she has RICO racketeering tendencies, if you will, in my opinion. Um, check that out. All you have to do is Google it. Um, so I don't agree with it. I feel like her office in particular, they use, uh, they prosecute who they want to prosecute, which is why I supported the prosecutor oversight bill. If it's a friend of hers, she is not going to prosecute a friend of hers, if, especially if they're an attorney in front of her. She's not going to prosecute um, those people the way she would other people. So it's a lot of favoritism going on in that office. Yeah, and, and, and it it seems like it, it, there's a lot more to this stuff, too. And, and I know that the, our justice system, which is allowing so many criminals to just come in and out like a revolving door. We're seeing it over here in New York with Mayor Eric Adams and, and the district attorney, Alvin Bragg, where they're going soft on crime. But then you see it when it comes to these political issues, they're they're hyperventilating and they can't wait to get moving on it. And I think that uh, by, by allowing, by you, know, you said again, to defunding the police and allowing the criminals, this has been a recipe for disaster in so many cities across America. I cannot understand uh, why you have cities that have been predominantly Democrat, dominated by Democrat parties for five decades, and these situations have gotten worse and people continue to vote Democrat. It boggles my mind. It boggles mine, too. But guess what? I was a victim of that mentality as well. If I was not in political office, if I was not reading the policy, if I really did not know what was going on the way most Americans are in Democrat cities, I would 
still be supporting them. Um, thankfully, I am in a position where I really do understand what's going on, which is why I had to step away from the party. Um, it really is a matter of policy. It's not necessarily people. It's policy. And it's so, and very well said. And, and it's so far too the the uh, invasion of our country at the southern border where we have the borders are wide open and people are pouring in. They're shipping them up here to New York. They're shipping them all over the country now. And is that affecting uh, you? Is that affecting your district yet? Are you seeing any issues as far as illegal immigrants coming in and taking up resources from those in your community who need it? Absolutely. The city of Atlanta has deemed itself an asylum city, so they're receiving millions of dollars. Um, for people that are immigrating illegally, I do not support illegal immigration. You know, I took a picture and put on my social media the other day. A little kid, it's 100, it's 100 degrees outside. A kid sitting in the stroller on the sidewalk while the mom is down the street peddling money. This is not a situation where it's good for that child. And it's not a situation that's good for us in America. It's a no win if we do this illegally. Um, as Americans, we have to fill out the census. That's how we are legally documented. Um, everybody should have a way to be legally documented. We need to be using those powers to do so. Yeah, right on with that. And I do know, I, I'm curious to get your take because I, I've had uh, Larry Elder on the podcast here, Dr. Ben Carson. And uh, like Larry Elder has been called the black face of white supremacy. Uh, Dr. Ben Carson has been called some horrific names over the last four years while he was in the White House with President Trump. And it seems like the left side, the Democrats, the liberals seem to see, think it's OK to be as racist as they want to black Americans that are Republican and vote, vote Republican or speak out on conservative issues. And it really makes me sick. And it seems like they do it with free reign. Have you had to face any of that since you've come out uh, and, and decided to become a Republican? What has been kind of the response from the, the, the Democrats and the response and the welcoming from the Republican Party? Absolutely. So if people were to go to my Twitter page, especially, or my Facebook page, Democrats were calling me the ugliest, nastiest, most vile things you can imagine, receiving death threats. Um, I haven't made one single vote as a Republican, but it's just the term has a very negative connotation to it. Um, to, if you're Black, Black people will say all Black people are not the same. Um, what I say to Black people that are so judgmental, or not just Black people, but to Democrats that are so judgmental, just like all Democrats are not the same. All Black people are not the same. All Republicans are not the same. They're outliers in every single entity. And until we can start listening to other people, then we will never get this country um, in the spot where it needs to be. Yeah, it's almost as if we should start judging people based on their content of their character instead of what they look like. It seems like that would probably be a better idea, but it uh, doesn't seem to be what people want to do nowadays so all right so what is uh as we finish out the year here we're just about to start the school year here we're in the fall we're in the sprint now till 2024 which is going to be an, a crazy year politically but what are the goals for you what are you trying to accomplish in the district here for the rest of the year so for the rest of the year i'm getting the message out with the help of many people in your constituency misha um the number they can call us to donate at 678 Four six zero six one zero eight, but we're tackling school choice bill in my district. Two percent um, meeting math proficiency, three percent can read. Until we get those numbers up, those are always going to be some hot ticket priority items for me. 
Well, good for you. I love what you're doing. I'm honored to have you on for a few minutes. Thank you for giving me a few minutes of your time here today on the Alec Lay Show. Thank you so much. All right. What an honor to have Representative Misha Maynard on the Alec Lay Show here. I have the link uh, to her website down there in the description below. Please, if you want to help support her, please do so. As I said, we are gearing up here uh, for a huge fight in this country, and we have got to get rid of as many of these Democrats as possible. And 2024 is going to be a banger. It's going to be lit. And they're already gearing up to stop the election with their interference. As I mentioned at the top of the show, the the D.C. judge in this January 6th bogus case against Donald Trump, one of the four indictments that are going on with Trump, they set a trial date. The left-wing lunatic judge sets the date for March 4th, which is right smack in the middle of major campaigning going on, but it's also the day before Super Tuesday, the most important day, because it's when the the uh, the primary elections are. So the day before that, you're going to have Trump start a trial. Well, here we go. Here, Trump responded to this on Truth. I'll put it on the board. Deranged Jack Smith and his team of thugs who were caught going to the White House just prior to indicting the 45th president of the United States, an absolute no-no, which is true, have been working on this witch hunt for almost three years, but decided to bring it smack in the middle of crooked Joe Biden's political opponent's campaign against him. Election interference. Today, today a biased, Trump-hating judge gave me only a two-month extension, just what our corrupt government wanted. Super Tuesday, I will appeal. And Trump is going to appeal a lot of good it's going to do. You're going to see that these judges are going to try to stick it to him. They're going to strategically start these trials in places that are going to undermine his efforts, undermine and interfere with his uh, campaign. And that is the whole goal here. This is exactly what they're doing. Because if this was a hands down legitimate election process going on, there's no way Trump doesn't win. He blows Biden out of the water. There's no way he doesn't. Not with the way that the country is looking right now. They're going to be pulling out all the stops in order to stop him in 2024. They don't even want him to get to the starting line. That's the goal here. There's no way you can look around at what's going on in this country and not see the corruption, number one, from Joe Biden. More and more is going to, and this is the other thing, too, with how you can confuse and just uh, uh, screw the minds or, or control the minds of the people in this country. Joe Biden, the corruption is mounting daily on him with what was going on with him and his son, Hunter. But the media doesn't cover it, so you don't believe it. Meanwhile, they told you Trump was with Russia. It was proven that the entire thing was set up by the Democrats. And they used that fake bullshit dossier to make the whole claim that Trump was colluding with Russia. They knew it was fake when they got it. It wasn't like they got it and said, oh, we didn't know this was real. They knew it wasn't real when they got it. And they used it to push this agenda that they did for three years. And it's all come out. But nobody believes it's come out because the mainstream media doesn't talk about it. And they won't tell you the truth about it. Meanwhile, Biden is as corrupt as possible. They, you had 51 intelligence agencies, intelligence officers tell you that, oh, the Hunter Biden laptop is Russian disinformation. But now it turns out that that's bullshit, that it's true. 
But they already set this in motion. They've already controlled the minds of the people. They got them going in one direction. That's why when a story breaks out, the most important thing is the first thing. Be first. That's all that matters. It doesn't make a difference if it's true or not. You have to be first. And the Democrats are always first when it comes to this stuff. They plant the seed and then they water the seed. They water it year after year and embed it in your head. So it's going to take a massive, massive uprising in this country to change what's going on right now. And it is sickening what's happening in this country. And if you're pissed off, as I said at the top, get to the ballot box in 2024. Talk to your friends. Talk to your circle about it and explain that something has got to change in this country because we are headed in a very, very bad direction. And I worry about it, as I'm sure many Americans have in the past. I worry about the future of this country for my children. And that's why I'm here. That's why I'm speaking out about all this stuff and I'm j- just trying to add a little bit to it uh, to do my part. And again, I appreciate you guys taking the ride with me here. Uh, if you guys want to check me out tomorrow on First Class Fatherhood, the link to First Class Fatherhood is in the bio. Again, some guys get confused. This channel here is called First Class Fatherhood. The show is The Alec Lay Show. I screwed up when I created the channel. It's too late. I can't change the name of the channel. I would like to change it to The Alec Lay Show, but it still says First Class Fatherhood. But if you follow this page, you're going to get The Alec Lay Show. So hit the follow button up top there. Uh, but tomorrow on First Class Fatherhood, I'm going to have Peter Ducey join me from Fox News. He's a new dad now. He just had his first child, and he is the only one that ever asks Joe Biden any difficult questions. Uh, it's going to be a fun conversation with him, so tune in tomorrow on First Class Fatherhood. The link is down there in the description for that. Make sure you bring it back here on Thursday as I will go live at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Not sure if I'm going to have a guest yet for you guys on Thursday. Working on a couple of great ones. Follow me on Instagram at The Alec Lay Show for all the upcoming guest announcements. And that's all I got for you guys today. Again, I want to say uh, thank you so much to Representative Misha Maynard. Check her out. The link to her website is down there in the description below as well. Love what she's doing. And it takes a lot of nerve to do what she is doing because she knew by doing this she was going to have to face a lot of backlash by a party that is supposed to be uh, so committed to black America. But they're the first ones that condemn and come out and call out any black person in this country that decides to side with the conservatives. And you've seen that, as I said, uh, Larry Elder, Dr. Ben Carson have faced it time and time again. And it's sickening. And there is I don't think there's anything anybody more racist in this country than white liberals. I think they're the most racist group you have in this country. And they always do it by claiming to be the ones that are champions for black America. And they're so condescending to black Americans. I can't believe they don't that black Americans don't see through that horse shit. But. It is what it is. And thank God we have people like Representative Misha Maynard, free-minded, free will, said, look at the facts. The Democrat Party is doing nothing for my community. They're doing nothing to move the chains. They're doing nothing to move the ball forward. They're doing nothing at all for my community. So I'm going to switch parties and see if I can get it done over there. And that's the move. That's what you hope you see in all of these Democrat-run shitholes all throughout the country. San Francisco, another one, dominated by Democrats for years. So that's all I got for you guys here today. I'll be back Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I appreciate you guys watching. Please get down there, hit the like, hit the follow, subscribe, whatever you can do to help me boost the algorithm here on Rumble. I appreciate you guys very much for tuning in. And God bless all you listeners, all you parents, all you first responders and veterans. God bless America, and I'll catch you guys next week.